You might be surprised why your doctor cannot provide you the care that both of you would like. What's up, Active Lifers? I'm your host today, Larry Geyer, and I'm here in studio with Dr. Sean Pastuch. Today's episode is going to allow you to understand life through the eyes of a doctor in a way that you might not have ever considered. And it will probably reveal to you things that are going to make you much more empathetic to what a doctor is dealing with and provide you with ideas for how you can get solutions that neither you nor the doctor has ever been able to find. Before today's show, what I'd love for you to do is leave a five-star review and or share it with someone that you like and or what do you do? What else do you do? Comments? Well, you say said how much you love. You it. said leave a five star review. You meant a five star rating, and that gives you the opportunity to also do write a review. A review. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it's going to make everything better for everyone. Just do all the things. Show's going to get big. We're going to be able to keep on talking to you about good things. We're going to be able to keep eating, and if we keep eating, then you guys get to keep. You know, everything gets better for you. So, Doctor Sean, ready to rock and roll? I am. What is what is the day in the life look like? What is the smart, well intentioned doctor? dealing with that most of us might not be aware of. The first thing I, I want to make sure I'm clear about is that I would everything I'm going to share with you on this topic comes from conversations I've had with medical doctors, because we're talking about medical doctors today, not the rehab doctor, mm -hmm. correct? Yes, the medical doctor. So they come from conversations I've had with medical doctors who I believe are both intending to do the thing that everybody wants them to do, and in many cases, successfully achieving it. Mm -hmm. And I had those conversations because I wanted more empathy around what was going on in the medical system, because it seemed like it can't just be a group of terrible people with high level education prescribing drugs to people who don't need them. That, yeah. that can't be. Like not all doctors are villains. Most doctors right. are good people and oh, not villains, mm -hmm. like, like any other profession. So the question that's, that's, that's worth answering is how does it become a profession that goes from being so highly regarded that if your life is on the line, that's the only person you want to be talking mm -hmm. to is somebody with a doctor in front of their name. And simultaneously, doctors just want to cut, shoot you up with something or give you a pill. Yeah. The, how do those two things live in the same universe? And so I had a lot of conversations with medical doctors who I respect to get to the bottom of that. Okay. Well, the other thing I want to point out that I don't know, you might have either been too modest to share or just neglected to consider, but I want you guys to know, you, Sean, have really good relationships with medical doctors. Yeah, with good ones. That you've had a, an ongoing relationship, an ongoing conversation with. So mm -hmm. this isn't, you're not pulling anything out of your ass here. No, this is all very, very much things that they've told me uh, and extrapolations I've been able to make through our conversations and confirm with them. Let's let's get to it. Walk us through what this looks like. Well, so the first thing is that people believe the doctor just wants to give you a pill, slice you, or inject you with something because so often that's what happens. You walk into a doctor's office and you tell them your shoulder hurts and they prescribe you a medication. They never even ask what you wanted to do. Hmm. They're just like, oh, yeah, your shoulder hurts. Here's a here's a pill. Oh, you're, you have a headache. Here's a pill. Oh, you're runny nose. Here's a pill. It's almost like we're not supposed to suffer with anything. The doctor has a pill for that. Mm. And I started asking the questions around that topic because if I go to the doctor's office, for example, with a fever, which I haven't done in a long time, but I have kids, so I'll take the kid to the doctor's office. Uh, they have a fever. They've had a fever for three days. It's 103. What do you think? And then the doctor prescribes a medication. I'll ask, 
Are you prescribing me that? And I did ask, did you prescribe me that medication for the kid because you think I want a medication or because it's what you think the kid needs or some combination of the two? And that's when a conversation really starts to happen mm -hmm. where it's. I imagine that's refreshing for a doctor to hear. I don't know. Uh, in the case of the pediatrician, he's a really busy guy, and I have a lot of respect for the way he runs his practice. Might so, be a uh, headache. It might I be. could see what's a headache. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, what, what he said is he's like, look, she's got a fever. She's uncomfortable. You're describing that she's not sleeping well at night, and that's causing you to wake up. That's messing up your day. And if she takes this medication, she'll probably sleep through the night. Her fever will start to come down, and she'll she'll be much more comfortable with this virus that she's fighting off. So it's up to you. She's going to survive the virus either way. It's just a question of how long does it take? How uncomfortable is she? How inconvenient is it to you? And all of these things, which really puts me as a parent in a weird spot that I liked. I liked that he put it on me, you know, cause it's, well, the, what's beautiful about that is you're, you're now making a decision from an educated perspective. Yeah. And also, getting a peek behind the doctor's curtain, mm -hmm. which is he was making considerations to a lot of things at the same time, very quickly and trying to make my life better. He obviously, you know, we chose our pediatrician because we believe his ethics are high when it comes down to things like, for example, um, a vaccination, like the flu shot. I don't want my kid getting the flu shot. I understand why people do get the flu shot. I'm not here to say the flu shot is a hoax. What I'm saying is he will share the reasons why he believes our kid should get the flu shot and then respect my decision not to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's never a second conversation about it. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for that. Mm -hmm. When it came to stuff like the COVID shot, he did not recommend that my kids got it. Mm -hmm. I would not have given it to my kids. I got it myself. That's a conversation for a whole different ball of wax. But the point I'm making is I have respect for his bedside manner and his acumen and his ethics. Mm -hmm. So when I learn that he's asking, he's offering a medication so that I can sleep better, so that my wife can sleep better, so that our kid can sleep better, so that our kid can be less cranky due to discomfort during the day, and so that she can overcome this illness without any repercussions mm -hmm. that are significant right obviously the side effect to every effect i am now put in the ballpark of well do do i want those things for myself and my kid that's a different conversation for me to have with myself do you follow me yeah i mean it's very it's also very different from the person in the position of authority is telling me what to do with my kid and i don't know whether or not it's right or wrong yeah. and i feel that and, i well, need to do it because I, they said so and i went in feeling like i don't they always give you a medication, no matter what's going on. Like, what the? F I don't want a fucking medication. I want to know this is a virus that's going to pass through in five days. I want to know those things. Mm -hmm. And then when he brings up all of the things that go with it, I'm like, oh, yeah. medication does kind of sound Why nice. Why not? Yeah. Well, what are? The, and then he provides the space for me to ask questions, like, well, does well the kid build a tolerance to this kind of medication? Right. I also this, don't imagine that he he was thinking about. And you know, 
by taking this medication, she forfeits this major benefit. Right. Imagine he would have brought that up. And he of didn't. course. And, and, and he actually brought up that it doesn't do that. He mm. brought up like, look, Perfect. the side effects of this kind of thing are if she took it for, you know, a month, two months, then yeah, we risk running into some things going on with her liver. We risk her building an immunity to it or a, a tolerance an awesome to conversation, it. Man. Yes. And, and he said, but oh, if you do it for three to five days, she's she's going to be fine none of this stuff is going to be an issue and provided that we're not coming back every month and needing it again then we're going to be in the clear now let me let me let me fast forward that i elected in this most recent case for the kid to take the medication so now here i am saying i don't want the doctor just give me medication every time i'm going to have the kid take the medication mm -hmm. so in that case the doctor knew better than i did for what i wanted and was able to articulate it to me in a way that made me decide to do what he wanted me he to do. He was generous well. with information that you asked for. hundred mm percent. -hmm. Now, take that to the adult, right? Because let's take it out of the kid thing because a lot of people are like, well, I don't have kids and I go to the doctor and mm -hmm. I don't want medication all right. the time. What's important to understand is how many patients that doctor needs to see to run a successful practice that can stay open like a financially viable practice. Even if they have a job working for a hospital, how many patients the hospital needs that doctor to see for the, pay, for the doctor to stay mm -hmm. viable for their, their business? This, by the way, this is not going to become a conversation around making an income. It is that when you have to see that many people or when you are interested in seeing that many people, you're going to get a large spread of society coming into your office. When we look at the spread of society, when we look at what percent of people who are walking the planet right now, especially in the United States, are overweight, are dealing with obesity, have diabetes or pre-diabetic, are on some kind of a medication, are stressed, are dealing with mental health issues, all of these, all of these factors that, uh, that have a, a confluence of problems for a person. We put that person in front of a doctor and the grab bag is, what would this person like? Mm. Most of those people will tell the doctor, I don't care, just give me something. <laughs> so now what happens is the doctor is in a position where imagine going up to people in a bar every night and asking them for a conversation when you're looking for, you know, a, a member of the opposite sex to start having a relationship with. And nine out of 10 of them tell you, uh, just get away from me. Buy me a drink or don't and get away from me. Mm -hmm. You just stop going over to people and yeah. asking for a conversation, no matter how you do it. So there's a jadedness. There's a bit of a jadedness and there's a bit of a reality. Hmm. Most of the people who walk over to you. Yeah, the bet is that they don't care. It's a safe bet to say, based on what I've Not seen. that they don't care. That they do care, and that what they want is what's being provided by the medical oh, industry. Oh, I see. I see. So if, if I'm, if I'm yeah. betting on 9 out of 10 patients, and I'm correct that 9 out of 10 people want me to give them a pill, mm. want me to give them a surgery, want them to give, me a, to give them a shot, and you're the 1 out of 10 who doesn't, well, when you tell me that's not what I want, oh, great. I, I would love to have this conversation yeah. with you. Well, you're, what you're helping me realize is that I think I could afford to be more sensitive to the fact that there are many people who want to fully subscribe 
to the medical system and how it works. As Unfortunately, it right most. I, I've, I tend to, I tend to ignore that and discredit that as a reality. And I don't think that I'm doing anyone any favors, least of all myself, to, to believe that most people are victims to it. In fact, it sounds like most people, by, based on what you're describing, are interested in it. Well, we also talk about the idea that, um, first of all, to confirm, yes. Hmm. They want to walk in, they want the doctor to give them a pill, a shot, a surgery, whatever it is. I, I just want something passive that relieves me of the responsibility of right. doing anything. Yep. So when the one out of 10 people says something to the doctor, I'd rather not take a medication. What, what, you know, the mistake people make is, what if I change my diet? They start looking for throwing a different dart at the board and hitting a bullseye. Mm -hmm. They start offering a different solution to the problem they came to the doctor for without knowledge of why the doctor offered right. the original solution. Mm -hmm. And now the doctor has the ability and the, the necessity to shut that down. So, for example, if you're suffering from a fever that's 105 degrees, right. right, and you walk into the doctor and the doctor says, I want you to take this medication to bring your fever down, your life is at risk. And you say, but what kind of ginger, turmeric blend can Correct. I just What if I step? rub this essential oil right. behind my ear? Right. The doctor's going to say, uh, no, take this medication. Mm -hmm. It's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. It's needing to make the doctor aware that um, if I'm understanding the reason you want me to take this medication, it's because X, Y, Z, you, you believe it's necessary for me to bring the fever down. You believe that the fever spiking this high is indicative that something is going wrong. Or by the way, just asking, why is it that you believe this medication is so important for me to take and affording the doctor the ability to answer it and then following up with, are there any alternatives? Put it in the doctor's court to come up with the alternative instead of suggesting one out of the right field bleachers that is inappropriate for what you're dealing with because you searched it on Dr. Google mm -hmm. and, and someone suggested that on the internet somewhere. Do you follow? Yeah. So now what happens is there's also this misunderstanding between doctor and patient where the patient believes the doctor's not listening, the doctor's not interested, they just want to prescribe the medication, they just want to cut. But what's actually happening is the doctor is ruling out the offer that you made as viable. Mm. It's not viable. Mm. The hard thing here is that if we want better medical care, we need to become better communicators because the doctor is used to walking into a room and having somebody who is a poor communicator want to get out of pain or sickness by whatever means necessary, ideally passively. Well, the other, the other part of it is that let's, let's talk about the, let's talk about the group of people that would like something different if they knew it exists. They're also dealing with a group of people that may or may not be a good communicator and they don't know what they don't know. Well, and here's what happens next. What happens next is first and foremost, um, many of the doctors in that system are uninspired by their own system. They, they'd rather not have to do it. And they're not looking to like, a physiatrist who gives you a cortisone shot doesn't get paid more for that visit. Like they're not getting paid because they're giving you a cortisone shot. They're getting paid because they saw you as a patient that day. Now there's nuance to billing codes and all of that kind of stuff, but they're not rewarded for giving a lot of shots and pills. The doctor's office is not rewarded. There are a lot of great doctors who would prefer not to do that all the time but they don't want to face the headwinds of explaining to somebody why they should change their values. So they do it. Mm -hmm. 
and they would they would love to not. And what happens oftentimes is the doctors who would love to not leave the system. So think of they leave the system to open cash practices. I see. And now what happens is the the one in ten who wants the more active role in their own healthcare says now only two in ten of them can afford the cash practice or will afford the cash practice. Mm. And so now it's, well, if you want good care, it's unaffordable because I have this insurance I pay for already, but this person doesn't take it. They need me to pay them cash. Well, the reason for that is because the kind of care that you want requires more time of the doctor, which means they can afford to take fewer patients, which means in order to make a living and stay in practice doing the kind of work that you want them to do, they have to charge more money for it. And that does not mean that doctor only wants to see wealthy people. It means that doctor only wants to practice a certain kind of medicine. And in order to do that, they need people to pay them a given amount of money that most people will decide is unaffordable. Right. That's the catch-22 for the doctor. So many doctors stay in the system and try to change it from within. And they are looking for partnerships with rehab professionals who are progressive-facing, with fitness professionals who are progressive-facing, with nutrition experts who are progressive-facing, with mental health experts who are progressive-facing. Can you define progressive-facing for us? They're looking for people to get to the root of the problem that led to you ending up in their office in the first place instead of providing you with the Band-Aid solution that solves for the symptoms you presented with. Mm. These are the kinds of doctors that we're looking for all the time at Active Life because they're integral in healthcare reform from within. Dr. Amy West at Northwell Health is a perfect example of that. Dr. Charlotte Moriarty, I'm not exactly sure where she practices, is a perfect example of that. Dr. Nick, who you see, mm -hmm. is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Dr. English right here in Long Beach mm -hmm. is a great example of that. Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, great example of that. Dr. Kirk Parsley, great example of that. There are, some of those people are within the healthcare system, the medical system as it exists today, and some of them have decided to exit it. The point is, it is incumbent upon us as the patient to become a great communicator. And that sucks. I know that sucks. Well, that's the beginning of it, to be frank. It, yeah, because you need to be educated to communicate effectively, too. You gotta, And then you got to do the thing. Yeah. The... But the communication is, is pivotal. Full agreement. And we it's easy to point the finger at the doctor. It's easy to point the finger at Big Pharma. It's easy to point the finger at insurance companies. The reality is we can all understand that if collectively everybody, I'm talking about everybody, adopted the mindset of what can I do to improve my health outcomes? If I never wanted to go to a doctor and I wanted to live a long time and be alive the entire time, what is in my power to do so that that can be a reality for me? If everybody across society embraced that, and I, hold, hold on, big pharma has no foothold. Right. It's gone. Big insurance has no foothold. It's gone. Can you explain what you mean by has no foothold? They have no audience to buy their product. W walk us through why. Okay. If I have a headache, let me back up. I probably take an Advil, a Tylenol, or whatever of those 
one to two times a year. One to two times a year. I avoid medication like it's the poison that, frankly, it oftentimes is. And there's no ad. There's no nothing that is going to get me to say, maybe I need I more of that in my that, life. Right. <laughs> right. Nothing. Right. You're the same way. When I go to, if I go to a doctor for a shoulder issue or... I'll, I'll give a real example. I have, I've had some skin issues. Like I have some sebaceous cysts and I have a lipoma on my ribs. Both of them are totally benign. There's nothing to do unless cosmetically I wanted to remove them. I don't care. My wife doesn't care. Sex is fine. So why would I do it? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, when I go in, I go in educated and I ask, what are the... What are the potential side effects of having these things? Like, what's the long-term right. negative value of having these them. things? Um, are they going to grow? Are they going to become painful? Are they easier to treat now than they would mm -hmm. be later? Yep. All of these questions, to get to a visit that takes four minutes long and is over with the doctor saying, uh, if cosmetically you don't have a problem with them, I wouldn't do anything. Okay. Great. Have, Thank yeah, you. Have a good day. Yeah. That's awesome. Right? Like, if I walked in and I said, hey, I have this cyst and I, I'd like it to go away. Right. That's different. Yeah. Well, so, but, but so now it's a different conversation. Tie us back into, ties back into insurance. Here. So the, the, the point is, the insurance company makes more money, or excuse me, spends more money, and then it costs more to everybody because they got to cover the cost of me deciding to get that surgery mm. if I decide to get that surgery. I see. So in other words, if, if you and every, if everyone makes one to two percent more decisions like that mm -hmm. to not use things that would be paid for via insurance, you end up with a population of people that insurance can't market to in the same way because they're not going to buy it. And so not only that, no, not only that, it doesn't have to be as expensive because here, here's the thing. I have insurance and I believe having insurance is actually as, as, messed up as this might sound, unless if you are flush with cash, it is a social responsibility to society for you to have insurance. Mm -hmm. That's my position. The reason for that is the moment that something bad happens unexpectedly, if you don't have insurance, what's happening is the socialism of that, of that financial market, which is everybody paying into insurance, functions in a way that everybody who doesn't need help pays for the people who do. For the people who do. And now, the more people who do, the more those rates have to go up. The less, in other words, the bottom line is the less everyone uses insurance, the cheaper it can be. There's a there's a there's a, a human nature discussion to be had there about whether the insurance companies would ever bring their prices down. That's a different conversation. That's a conversation about motivation mm -hmm. and human nature and power. That's a that's an aside. It's more a question of how we got here. If everybody in society trusted that health insurance companies were doing the right thing and trusted that each other were doing the right thing, we would all buy into it. We'd all say, this is a great thing. If I knew everybody was taking care of themselves the way that you were, mm -hmm. I am more than happy to pay into that thing because you're going to get service from it when, God forbid, something that you have no control over happens and you need financial resources that you don't have on hand. Mm -hmm. I want to be a part of that solution. Mm -hmm. Today, as it exists, we are all paying into a broken system of 
most people not wanting to be responsible for themselves, wanting to lean on a medication, a scalpel, or a needle that is wielded by a doctor who would rather you be responsible for yourself, who would rather get paid for well visit after well visit of people coming in and them advising you on how to use the autonomy that you truly have to live a more, yeah. a more complete life, then we're, then we're winning. Everybody is doing well. Mm -hmm. But the reality is the doctors are inundated with people who want things done for them. An insurance system that will pay for things to be done for them that will then pass the expense of things that were done for them onto everybody in society, that will fund a pharmaceutical system that will be the passive care for everybody who needs it. And there are, there are frankly, two populations living at the same time. The population who is active and participating in health and fitness activities on a regular basis, 15 to 20%, and everybody else. 80%. What happens is all of the complaints about the way that the medical system works come from the 15 to 20% of people who want a more active role in their own health and wellness. The other 80% aren't complaining about it. <laughs> so we live in this vacuum with people like you, like me, who are constantly talking, about, how do we fix this thing? What's wrong with this thing? How, what's, what's the problem? The reality is society doesn't think it's broken. So when you go into a doctor's office, you have to go in with the mental frame that you're the outlier. That doctor is serving a market. You're not in it. You have to make the doctor aware that you are not their average patient and allow them to treat you in an extraordinary way. What's the best way that you believe people can start equipping themselves with the understanding of how to lean more in the direction of, of becoming that kind of active participant? I really like that question. I think it's genuinely looking for more people who are already doing it to befriend and hmm. build relationships. Be influenced with. by people who are already doing yeah, it. Yeah, you know, hmm. How does, well, how, no, no, I, I, I want to keep talking on that for a second. I have a friend right now who's going through some shit. And she recently called me asking for some help. What she was asking for was way outside of my scope. Mm -hmm. And I told her, I don't have the skill set to do this. But I will find somebody who does and I will get you connected with them. What I would advise for you in the short term, what is in my scope, is I would recommend that you stop searching for a diagnosis. And... This is a really, really good microcosm of what even people who are actively looking to take care of themselves will do. Something is wrong. I want to know what it is. What's it called? Do you understand? Mm -hmm. That's an example of how you, I, anybody listening to this, will probably have to own we have fallen into that category. Mm -hmm. And it, that category is a microcosm of the larger mm -hmm. example I was discussing before. Yeah, because we go to the doctor, we say, what is it? Mm -hmm. The doctor tells us, oh, good, now I know. We just became that diagnosis. We were looking for a diagnosis. Instead of asking questions like, what do I need to do to resolve whatever this is? I don't care what it's called. Right? God, God forbid there ever came a day that I was diagnosed with something terminal. 
I don't want to know the fucking prognosis. Don't tell me the prognosis right. because I don't need to become that story. Mm -hmm. Just tell me all of the things that are within my power to live a more complete life. That's, that's what I want to know. And I'm going to do those things. I'm going to do the shit out of those things. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. it's so easy for all of us to start sliding down that slippery slope of being a passive, a passive member of our own healthcare. Just by asking, what is it? You just became one. Hmm. You follow? Yeah. So it's really surrounding yourself with people who are going to ask you the scary questions about your beliefs and your behaviors and your habits and who you're going to be able to watch. I thought what that person just did was impossible Yeah. five minutes ago. And at the very worst, it ends at them asking you questions that force you to examine it. At the very best, they become people that are interested in supporting you through it. Absolutely. And I think it's worth a shot. Yeah. So I want to sum this up for people to, to make sure that I was clear about the perspective that I want them to have. The doctor who you might today believe doesn't care about you or the general population probably does. Mm -hmm. They are probably a really good person who worked really hard to get where they are, who would love nothing more than for every one of their patients to present the way that you are capable of presenting if you chose to, mm -hmm. who would love to treat you the way that you want to be treated, but need to be told that that's how you want to be treated. And if you expect that they should simply change everything about how they do their job because it would be better for everybody, then you're failing to accept or to acknowledge that most people, unfortunately, think differently than you about their own health care. And that the doctor's responsibility is to meet the person where they are and try to advance them on the, on the field. You're further down the field. You need to let them know where you are. Well, I certainly appreciate having more. Rate, review, share with a friend. I just got an idea for this. What? I just got an idea. I want you to use, or you or Cleary, whoever does this, I want you to use find a reward sound. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Find a reward sound for when around when we're, I don't know when yet I'll figure that out around when we tell them what to do with respect to that okay I'm telling you it's gonna it's gonna change it okay you might be surprised why your doctor can't care for you in the way that both of you would like what's up active lifers welcome back to the show I'm your host today Larry Geyer and I'm here in studio with Dr. Sean Pestuch today is going to be special. It's one that I've been excited to share with you. What we are going to do today is provide you fucking A. It's one I've been excited to share with you for 45 seconds. And I'm first going like, to overpromise like what that? might come I down know, the pipe. I know. It's total fucking. So maybe just tell them the truth and then move on. I like that idea. You might be surprised why your doctor cannot provide you the care that both of you would like. What's up, Active Lifers? I'm your host today, Larry Geyer, and I'm here in studio with Dr. Sean Pestuch. Today's episode is going to allow you to understand life through the eyes of a doctor in a way that you might not have ever considered. 
And it will probably reveal to you things that are going to make you much more empathetic to what a doctor is dealing with and provide you with ideas for how you can get solutions that neither you nor the doctor has ever been able to find. Before today's show, what I'd love for you to do is leave a five-star review and or share it with someone that you like and or what do you do? What else do you do? Comments? Well, you say said how much you love. You it. said leave a five star review. You meant a five star rating, and that gives you the opportunity to also do write a review. A review. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, it's going to make everything better for everyone. Just do all the things. Show is going to get big. We're going to be able to keep on talking to you about good things. We're going to be able to keep eating, and if we keep eating, then you guys get to keep. You know, everything gets better for you. So, Doctor Sean, ready to rock and roll? I am. What is what is the day in the life look like? What is the smart, well intentioned doctor? dealing with that most of us might not be aware of the first thing i i want to make sure i'm clear about is that i would everything i'm going to share with you on this topic comes from conversations i've had with medical doctors because we're talking about medical doctors today not the rehab doctor mm -hmm. correct yes the medical doctor so they come from conversations i've had with medical doctors who i believe are both intending to do the thing that everybody wants them to do and in many cases successfully achieving it mm -hmm. and i had those conversations because I wanted more empathy around what was going on in the medical system because it seemed like it can't just be a group of terrible people with high level education prescribing drugs to people who don't need them. That, yeah. that can't be. Like not all doctors are villains. Most doctors right. are good people and oh, not villains, mm -hmm. like, like any other profession. So the question that's, that's, that's worth answering is how does it become a profession that goes from being so highly regarded that if your life is on the line, that's the only person you want to be talking mm -hmm. to is somebody with a doctor in front of their name. And simultaneously, doctors just want to cut, shoot you up with something or give you a pill. Yeah. The, how do those two things live in the same universe? And so I had a lot of conversations with medical doctors who I respect to get to the bottom of that. Okay. Well, the other thing I want to point out that I don't know, you might have either been too modest to share or just neglected to consider, but I want you guys to know, you, Sean, have really good relationships with medical doctors. Yeah, with good ones. That you've had a, an ongoing relationship, an ongoing conversation with. So mm -hmm. this isn't, you're not pulling anything out of your ass here. No, this is all very, very much things that they've told me uh, and extrapolations I've been able to make through our conversations and confirm with them. Let's let's get to it. Walk us through what this looks like. Well, so the first thing is that people believe the doctor just wants to give you a pill, slice you, or inject you with something because so often that's what happens. You walk into a doctor's office and you tell them your shoulder hurts and they prescribe you a medication. They never even ask what you wanted to do. Hmm. They're just like, oh yeah, your shoulder hurts. Here's a here's a pill. Oh, you're, you have a headache. Here's a pill. Oh, you're runny nose. Here's a pill. It's almost like we're not supposed to suffer with anything. The doctor has a pill for that. Mm. And I started asking the questions around that topic because if I go to the doctor's office, for example, with a fever, which I haven't done in a long time, but I have kids, so I'll take the kid to the doctor's office. Uh, they have a fever. They've had a fever for three days. It's 103. What do you think? And then the doctor prescribes a medication. I'll ask, are you prescribing me that? And I did ask. Did you prescribe me that medication for the kid because you think I want a medication or because it's what you think the kid needs or some combination of the two? And that's when a conversation really starts to happen mm -hmm. where it's... I imagine that's refreshing for a doctor to hear. I don't know. 
Uh, in the case of the pediatrician, he's a really busy guy, and I have a lot of respect for the way he runs his practice. Might so, be a uh, headache. It might I be. could see what's a headache. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, what, what he said is he's like, look, she's got a fever. She's uncomfortable. You're describing that she's not sleeping well at night, and that's causing you to wake up. That's messing up your day. And if she takes this medication, she'll probably sleep through the night. Her fever will start to come down, and she'll she'll be much more comfortable with this virus that she's fighting off. So it's up to you. She's going to survive the virus either way. It's just a question of how long does it take, how uncomfortable is she, how inconvenient is it to you, and all of these things. Which really puts me as a parent in a weird spot that I liked. I liked that he put it on me, you know, because it's... Well, what's beautiful about that is you're, you're now making a decision from an educated perspective. Yeah, and also... Getting a peek behind the doctor's curtain, mm-hmm. which is he was making considerations to a lot of things at the same time very quickly and trying to make my life better. He obviously, you know, we chose our pediatrician because we believe his ethics are high. When it comes down to things like, for example, um, a vaccination like the flu shot, I don't want my kid getting the flu shot. I understand why people do get the flu shot. I'm not here to say the flu shot is a hoax. What I'm saying is he will share the reasons why he believes our kid should get the flu shot and then respect my decision not to do it. Mm -hmm. And there's never a second conversation about it. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of respect for that. Mm -hmm. When it came to stuff like the COVID shot, he did not recommend that my kids got it. Mm -hmm. I would not have given it to my kids. I got it myself. That's a conversation for a whole different ball of wax. But the point I'm making is I have respect for his bedside manner and his acumen and his ethics. Mm -hmm. So when I learn that he's asking, he's offering a medication so that I can sleep better, so that my wife can sleep better, so that our kid can sleep better, so that our kid can be less cranky due to discomfort during the day, and so that she can overcome this illness without any repercussions Mm -hmm. that are significant right obviously the side effect to every effect i am now put in the ballpark of well do do i want those things for myself and my kid that's a different conversation for me to have with myself do you follow me yeah i mean it's very it's also very different from the person in the position of authority is telling me what to do with my kid and i don't know whether or not it's right or wrong yeah. and i feel that and, i well, need to do it because I, they said so and i went in feeling like i don't they always give you a medication no matter what's going on. Like, what the f- I don't want a fucking medication. I want to know this is a virus that's going to pass through in five days. I want to know those things. Mm-hmm. And then when he brings up all of the things that go with it, I'm like, oh, yeah. medication does kind of sound Why nice. Why not? Yeah. Well, what are the, and then he provides the space for me to ask questions like, well, does, will the kid build a tolerance to this kind of medication? Right. I also this- don't imagine that he, he was thinking about, and you know, by taking this medication, she forfeits this major benefit. Right. Imagine he would have brought that up, and he did Of didn't. course, and, 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 and he actually brought up that it doesn't do that. He mm. brought up, like, look, Perfect. the side effects of this kind of thing are if she took it for you know a month, two months, then, yeah, we risk running into some things going on with her liver. We risk her building an immunity to it or a, a tolerance to it. It's an awesome conversation, it. man. Yes, and, and he said, but oh, if you do it for three to five days, She's, she's going to be fine. None of this stuff is going to be an issue. And provided that we're not coming back every month and needing it again, then we're going to be in the clear. 
Now let me let me let me fast forward that. I elected in this most recent case for the kid to take the medication. So now here I am saying I don't want the doctor to just give me medication every time. I'm gonna have the kid take the medication. Mm -hmm. So in that case, the doctor knew better than I did for what I wanted and was able to articulate it to me in a way that made me decide to do what he wanted me he to do. He was generous well. with information that you asked for. hundred mm -hmm. percent. Now, take that to the adult, right? Because let's take it out of the kid thing because a lot of people are like, well, I don't have kids and I go to the doctor and mm -hmm. I don't want medication all right. the time. What's important to understand is how many patients that doctor needs to see to run a successful practice that can stay open like a financially viable practice. Even if they have a job working for a hospital, how many patients the hospital needs that doctor to see for the, for the doctor to stay mm -hmm. viable for their, their business? This, by the way, this is not going to become a conversation around making an income. It is that when you have to see that many people or when you are interested in seeing that many people, you're going to get a large spread of society coming into your office. When we look at the spread of society, when we look at what percent of people who are walking the planet right now, especially in the United States, are overweight, are dealing with obesity, have diabetes or pre-diabetic, are on some kind of a medication, are stressed, are dealing with mental health issues, all of these, all of these factors that, uh, that have a, a confluence of problems for a person. We put that person in front of a doctor and the grab bag is, what would this person like? Mm. Most of those people will tell the doctor, I don't care, just give me something. <laughs> so now what happens is the doctor is in a position where imagine going up to people in a bar every night and asking them, for a conversation when you're looking for, you know, a, a member of the opposite sex to start having a relationship with. And nine out of 10 of them tell you, uh, just get away from me. Buy me a drink or don't and get away from me. Mm -hmm. You just stop going over to people and yeah. asking for a conversation, no matter how you do it. So there's a jadedness. There's a bit of a jadedness and there's a bit of a reality. Hmm. Most of the people who walk over to you. Yeah, the bet is that they don't care. It's a safe bet to say, based on what I've Not seen. that they don't care. That they do care, and that what they want is what's being provided by the medical oh, industry. Oh, I see. I see. So if, if I'm, if I'm yeah. betting on 9 out of 10 patients, and I'm correct that 9 out of 10 people want me to give them a pill, mm. want me to give them a surgery, want them to give, me a, to give them a shot, and you're the 1 out of 10 who doesn't, well, when you tell me that's not what I want, oh, great. I, I would love to have this conversation yeah. with you. Well, you're, what you're helping me realize is that I think I could afford to be more sensitive to the fact that there are many people who want to fully subscribe to the medical system and how it works as it exists right now. Unfortunately, most. I, I've, I, tend to, I tend to ignore that and discredit that as a reality. And I don't think that I'm doing anyone any favors, least of all myself, to, to believe that most people are victims to it. In fact, it sounds like most people, by, based on what you're describing, are interested in it. Well, we also talk about the idea that, um, first of all, to confirm, yes. Hmm. They want to walk in, they want the doctor to give them a pill, shot, a surgery, whatever it is. 
I, I just want something passive that relieves me of the responsibility of right. doing anything. Yep. So when the one out of 10 people says something to the doctor, I'd rather not take a medication. What, what, you know, the mistake people make is what if I change my diet? They start looking for throwing a different dart at the board and hitting a bullseye. Mm -hmm. They start offering a different solution to the problem they came to the doctor for without knowledge of why the doctor offered right. the original solution. Mm -hmm. And now the doctor has the ability and the, the necessity to shut that down. So for example, if you're suffering from a fever that's 105 degrees, right. right? And you walk into the doctor and the doctor says, I want you to take this medication to bring your fever down. Your life is at risk. And you say, but what kind of ginger turmeric blend can Correct. I just What if I step? rub this essential oil right. behind my ear? Right. The doctor's going to say, uh, no, take this medication. Mm -hmm. It's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. It's needing to make the doctor aware that um, if I'm understanding the reason you want me to take this medication, it's because X, Y, Z, you, you believe it's necessary for me to bring the fever down. You believe that the fever spiking this high is indicative that something is going wrong. Or by the way, just asking, why is it that you believe this medication is so important for me to take and affording the doctor the ability to answer it and then following up with, are there any alternatives? Put it in the doctor's court to come up with the alternative instead of suggesting one out of the right field bleachers that is inappropriate for what you're dealing with because you searched it on Dr. Google mm -hmm. and, and someone suggested that on the internet somewhere. Do you follow? Yeah. So now what happens is there's also this misunderstanding between doctor and patient where the patient believes the doctor's not listening. The doctor's not interested. They just want to prescribe the medication. They just want to cut. But what's actually happening is the doctor is ruling out the offer that you made as viable. Mm. It's not viable. Mm. The hard thing here is that if we want better medical care, we need to become better communicators because the doctor is used to walking into a room and having somebody who is a poor communicator want to get out of pain or sickness by whatever means necessary, ideally passively. Well, the other, the other part of it is that let's, let's talk about the, let's talk about the group of people that would like something different if they knew it exists. They're also dealing with a group of people that may or may not be a good communicator and they don't know what they don't know. Well, and here's what happens next. What happens next is first and foremost, um, many of the doctors in that system are uninspired by their own system. They, they'd rather not have to do it. And they're not looking to like, a physiatrist who gives you a cortisone shot doesn't get paid more for that visit. Like they're not getting paid because they're giving you a cortisone shot. They're getting paid because they saw you as a patient that day. Now there's nuance to billing codes and all of that kind of stuff, but they're not rewarded for giving a lot of shots and pills. The doctor's office is not rewarded. There are a lot of great doctors who would prefer not to do that all the time but they don't want to face the headwinds of explaining to somebody why they should change their values. So they do it and they would, they would love to not. And what happens oftentimes is the doctors who would love to not leave the system. So think of, they leave the system to open cash practices. I see. And now what happens is the, the one in 10 who wants the more active role in their own healthcare says now only two in 10 of them, can afford the cash practice or will afford the cash practice. Mm -hmm. 
And so now it's, well, if you want good care, it's unaffordable because I have this insurance I pay for already, but this person doesn't take it. They need me to pay them cash. Well, the reason for that is because the kind of care that you want requires more time of the doctor, which means they can afford to take fewer patients, which means in order to make a living and stay in practice doing the kind of work that you want them to do, they have to charge more money for it. And that does not mean that doctor only wants to see wealthy people. It means that doctor only wants to practice a certain kind of medicine. And in order to do that, they need people to pay them a given amount of money that most people will decide is unaffordable. Right. That's the catch-22 for the doctor. So many doctors stay in the system and try to change it from within. And they are looking for partnerships with rehab professionals who are progressive-facing, with fitness professionals who are progressive-facing, with nutrition experts who are progressive-facing, with mental health experts who are progressive-facing. Can you define progressive-facing for us? They're looking for people to get to the root of the problem that led to you ending up in their office in the first place instead of providing you with the Band-Aid solution that solves for the symptoms you presented with. Mm. These are the kinds of doctors that we're looking for all the time at Active Life because they're integral in healthcare reform from within. Dr. Amy West at Northwell Health is a perfect example of that. Dr. Charlotte Moriarty, I'm not exactly sure where she practices, is a perfect example of that. Dr. Nick, who you see, mm -hmm. is a perfect example of that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Dr. English right here in Long Beach mm -hmm. is a great example of that. Dr. Gabrielle Lyon, great example of that. Dr. Kirk Parsley, great example of that. There are, some of those people are within the healthcare system, the medical system as it exists today, and some of them have decided to exit it. The point is, it is incumbent upon us as the patient to become a great communicator. And that sucks. I know that sucks. Well, that's the beginning of it, to be frank. It, yeah, because you need to be educated to communicate effectively, too. You gotta, And then you got to do the thing. Yeah. The... But the communication is, is pivotal. Full agreement. And we it's easy to point the finger at the doctor. It's easy to point the finger at Big Pharma. It's easy to point the finger at insurance companies. The reality is we can all understand that if collectively everybody, I'm talking about everybody, adopted the mindset of what can I do to improve my health outcomes? If I never wanted to go to a doctor and I wanted to live a long time and be alive the entire time, what is in my power to do so that that can be a reality for me? If everybody across society embraced that, and I, hold, hold on, big pharma has no foothold. Right. It's gone. Big insurance has no foothold. It's gone. Can you explain what you mean by has no foothold? They have no audience to buy their product. W walk us through why. Okay. If I have a headache, let me back up. I probably take an Advil, a Tylenol, or whatever of those one to two times a year. One to two times a year. I avoid medication like it's the poison that, frankly, it oftentimes is. And there's no ad, there's no nothing that is going to get me to say, maybe I need I more of that in my that, life. Right. <laughs> right. Nothing. Right. You're the same way. 
when I go to, if I go to a doctor for a shoulder issue or I'll, I'll give a real example. I have, I've had some skin issues. Like I have some sebaceous cysts and I have a lipoma on my ribs. Both of them are totally benign. There's nothing to do unless cosmetically I wanted to remove them. I don't care. My wife doesn't care. Sex is fine. So why would I do it? Mm -hmm. Right? Um, when I go in, I go in educated and I ask, what are the, what are the potential side effects of having these things? Like what's the long-term right. negative value of having these people. things? Um, are they going to grow? Are they going to become painful? Are they easier to treat now than they would mm -hmm. be later? Yep. All of these questions to get to a visit that takes four minutes long and is over with the doctor saying, uh, if cosmetically you don't have a problem with them, I wouldn't do anything. Okay. Great. Have, thank yeah, you. Have a good day. Yeah. That's awesome. Right? Like if I walked in and I said, Hey, I have this cyst and I, I'd like it to go away. Right. That's different. Yeah. Well, so, but, but so now it's a different conversation. Ties back into ties back into insurance. Here. So the, the, the point is the insurance company makes more money or excuse me, spends more money. And then it costs more to everybody because they got to cover the cost of me deciding to get that surgery. Mm. If I decide to get that surgery. I see. So in other words, if, if you and every, if everyone makes one to 2% more decisions like that mm -hmm. to not use things that would be paid for via insurance, you end up with a population of people that insurance can't market to in the same way because they're not going to buy it. And so not only that, no, not only that, it doesn't have to be as expensive because here, here's the thing I have insurance and I believe having insurance is actually as, as messed up as this might sound, unless if you are flush with cash, it is a social responsibility to society for you to have insurance. Mm -hmm. That's my position. The reason for that is the moment that something bad happens unexpectedly. If you don't have insurance, what's happening is the socialism of that, of that financial market, which is everybody paying into insurance functions in a way that everybody who doesn't need help pays for the people who do. For the people who do. And now, the more people who do, the more those rates have to go up. The less, in other words, the bottom line is the less everyone uses insurance, the cheaper it can be. There's a there's a there's a, a human nature discussion to be had there about whether the insurance companies would ever bring their prices down. That's a different conversation. That's a conversation about motivation mm -hmm. and human nature and power. That's a that's an aside. It's more a question of how we got here. If everybody in society trusted that health insurance companies were doing the right thing and trusted that each other were doing the right thing, we would all buy into it. We'd all say, this is a great thing. If I knew everybody was taking care of themselves the way that you were, mm -hmm. I am more than happy to pay into that thing because you're going to get service from it when God forbid something that you have no control over happens and you need financial resources that you don't have on hand. Mm -hmm. I want to be a part of that solution. Mm -hmm. Today, as it exists, we are all paying into a broken system of most people not wanting to be responsible for themselves, wanting to lean on a medication, a scalpel, or a needle that is wielded by a doctor who would rather you be responsible for yourself who would rather get paid for well visit after well visit of people coming in and them advising you on how to use the autonomy that you truly have to live a more yeah. a more complete life 
then we're then we're winning. Everybody is doing well. Mm -hmm. But the reality is the doctors are inundated with people who want things done for them. An insurance system that will pay for things to be done for them, that will then pass the expense of things that were done for them onto everybody in society, that will fund a pharmaceutical system that will be the passive care for everybody who needs it. And there are, there are frankly, two populations living at the same time. The population who is active and participating in health and fitness activities on a regular basis, 15 to 20%, and everybody else, 80%. What happens is all of the complaints about the way that the medical system works come from the 15 to 20% of people who want a more active role in their own health and wellness. The other 80% aren't complaining about it. So we live in this vacuum with people like you, like me, who are constantly talking, about, how do we fix this thing? What's wrong with this thing? How, what's, what's the problem? The reality is society doesn't think it's broken. So when you go into a doctor's office, you have to go in with the mental frame that you're the outlier. That doctor is serving a market. You're not in it. You have to make the doctor aware that you are not their average patient and allow them to treat you in an extraordinary way. What's the best way that you believe people can start equipping themselves with the understanding of how to lean more in the direction of, of becoming that kind of active participant? I really like that question. I think it's genuinely looking for more people who are already doing it to befriend and mm. build relationships. Be influenced with. by people who are already doing yeah, it. Yeah. You know, mm. how does, well, how, no, no, I want, I, I want to keep talking on that for a second. I have a friend right now who's going through some shit and she recently called me asking for some help. What she was asking for was way outside of my scope. Mm. And I told her, I don't have the skill set to do this but I will find somebody who does and I will get you connected with them. What I would advise for you in the short term, what is in my scope, is I would recommend that you stop searching for a diagnosis. And this is a really, really good microcosm of what even people who are actively looking to take care of themselves will do. Something is wrong. I want to know what it is. What's it called? Do you understand? Mm -hmm. That's an example of how you... I, anybody listening to this, will probably have to own we have fallen into that category. Mm -hmm. And it, that category is a microcosm of the larger mm -hmm. example I was discussing before. Yeah, because we go to the doctor, we say, what is it? Mm -hmm. The doctor tells us, oh, good, now I know. We just became that diagnosis. We were looking for a diagnosis. Instead of asking questions like, what do I need to do to resolve whatever this is? I don't care what it's called. Right? God, God forbid there ever came a day that I was diagnosed with something terminal. I don't want to know the fucking prognosis. Don't tell me the prognosis. Right. Because I don't need to become that story. Mm -hmm. Just tell me all of the things that are within my power to live a more complete life. That's, that's what I want to know. And I'm going to do those things. I'm going to do the shit out of those things. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah. it's so easy for all of us to start sliding down that slippery slope of being a passive, a passive member of our own healthcare. 
just by asking, what is it? You just became one. Hmm. You follow? Yeah. So it's really surrounding yourself with people who are going to ask you the scary questions about your beliefs and your behaviors and your habits and who you're going to be able to watch. I thought what that person just did was impossible. Yeah. Five minutes ago. And at the very worst, it ends at them asking you questions that force you to examine it. At the very best, they become people that are interested in supporting you through it. Absolutely. And I think it's worth a shot. Yeah. So I want to sum this up for people to, to make sure that I was clear about the perspective that I want them to have. The doctor who you might today believe doesn't care about you or the general population probably does. Mm-hmm. They are probably a really good person who worked really hard to get where they are, who would love nothing more than for every one of their patients to present the way that you are capable of presenting if you chose to, mm-hmm. who would love to treat you the way that you want to be treated, but need to be told that that's how you want to be treated. And if you expect that they should simply change everything about how they do their job, because it would be better for everybody, then you're failing to accept or to acknowledge that most people, unfortunately, think differently than you about their own health care and that the doctor's responsibility is to meet the person where they are and try to advance them on the, on the field. You're further down the field. You need to let them know where you are. Well, I certainly appreciate having more clarity around what their, what their day and their perspective is like. So thank you for walking us through that. You're welcome. Turn progress.